So in an attempt to not only be spiritually helpful, but to also be practical uh, in your daily life and to make sure that you're ready to survive in any, in all circumstances, let me ask you this. Is it possible to create fire with water? Now, I know we have some Boy Scouts among us. Is it possible to ignite a fire with water? Yes? Raise your hand. A few hands going up. How, much, uh, how many of you would say, no, that's impossible, as everybody knows? You can't ignite a fire with water. Raise your hand. Well, I'm about to just completely, you know that commercial where it's like, right? Prepare to have your mind blown. It is possible to actually start a fire with water. However, a few important uh, circumstances need to be in play. Number one is, it needs to be winter. It needs to be cold, which is actually a pretty good thing because generally, if you are in you know, need for fire that your life depends on it, probably isn't going to happen in the middle of July. Um, you generally need life giving fire in the winter time. So, you know, the scenario is you're stranded somewhere, you're freezing to death, you need fire. Well, guess what? If you're that cold, you already have one condition met that's necessary in order to light a fire with water. Next thing you're going to need is ice. That's kind of important because that's actually what you're going to use to light your fire. Um, Let me show you a picture because what you do with the ice is you take it and you rub it against a rock or cement, or pavement, and, and start, or a knife can work too, and you start to whittle a piece of ice, and that ice, however, needs to be very clear. It can't be filled with bubbles or dirty water. It's got to be crystal clear water from a stream, or a creek, or, or a, a lake. And, and once you get that piece of ice, you start to whittle it down, or grind it down, into the shape of a lens, a convex lens. And, and you see where this is going? How many of you um, have ever used a magnifying glass to see how you can start a fire, right? Um, If you have done so, you also know one of the other requirements that's necessary once you have your lens ready. That is sunshine. And if you live in Michigan in the winter, unless it's today, you're going to (laughs) die, right? Yeah, you you need sunshine and you need light. And and, uh, here's an example, if you... If you let the sun do its work through this lens made out of water, out of ice, you can actually start a fire. I know what you're thinking. Pastor Mark, you have just changed my life, right? Um, I'm, I'm grateful that one day, if this ever is needed, you will be prepared. Praise God. Amen. End of, storm, of sermon today, right? Um, if that weren't life-changing enough. Um, is there any other area of life where it's possible that fire could be ignited through water. Now it's time to get theological, isn't it? And, and even more so. A God who has come among us to ignite a fire. Now a few moments ago, we, we read in the gospel reading that, that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And that was just one of those great, great moments in God's Word, in the, in the story of Jesus, where His ministry is coming together in this moment, this great fulfillment of, of all things, where Jesus comes there and He says, it's time to be baptized. And, and John who says, are you kidding me? I'm not even worthy 
to carry your sandals. You should be baptizing me. Well, John knows what this is all about. In fact, just a few verses before what we read today, we picked it up with verse 13. If you back up two verses to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John is preaching to the crowds just before Jesus arrives. And notice what he says. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, though, is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and and fire. Now, what does this mean? John the Baptist, of course, he's out in the wilderness. People are flocking out to him. He's, he's preaching a message of repentance. Uh, we know from the context of the Gospels that, that John was baptizing many people, and it was this baptism of repentance. People would come out, be cut to the heart based on that, that powerful proclamation of, uh, of calling to repent, to turn from their sins. And John would baptize them. But John says, if you think my baptism was important, it's nothing compared to what is ahead. The one who comes after me is going to take it to a whole new level. While I baptize with water, the one who comes after me is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, right? (laughs) But what does that mean exactly? I mean, we just kind of move in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Jesus is more powerful. No, what does it mean that Jesus the one who is the one who would come after John, the one that John's entire life and mission is to focus on and point to that he might become less, that the Lord might become more and greater. What does it mean that he comes to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire? Um, Kind of interesting, a lot of theologians have been grappling with this for a long time. What is John really saying? Because if you open up all of Scripture, you can go a couple directions with what that statement means. The whole idea of fire and and what fire is all about. Often fire is associated with destruction, damnation, and and God pouring out his judgment on people. We see that in some of the Old Testament prophecies. We see that in some of the talk of end times and and, and that this, this fire that would destroy this world and God's judgment over the sin of this world. And you put it next to, as John says, the Holy Spirit. Well, then it makes sense. Those who have rejected the Holy Spirit, the sin of unbelief, rejected the gospel that God comes to bring, and that the result then is fire and destruction. Well, that's certainly a possibility of what John is talking about because we know this, that once Jesus' earthly ministry is finished, uh, he makes it clear that when he comes back in glory and as the scriptures all point, that next time he comes back, he will come back as judge. And, And there will be fire involved of those who have rejected him in this world. Um, If that doesn't make your stomach sick of those around us who don't know the Lord, I I, I just got to ask you, do you have a pulse today? There's an urgency to that. But there's another thought of what fire might mean. You know, when we get to Jesus' promise, uh, he says that uh, when his ministry and the cross and resurrection is is done, he tells his disciples, you know, wait here in Jerusalem when he, after his resurrection, and I will send that counselor, that, that holy, powerful one of God who will help you understand. And they're like, what, 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 where are you going? Why, why are you going to leave us? And he says, wait here until that time comes. And uh, when, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, you remember one of the signs 
of the coming of the Holy Spirit? What was it? There was fire, the tongues of fire. And, and what that looked like, we don't know. I wasn't there, but it must have been really cool pyrotechnics. You know what I'm saying? And, and there was something about it. It's like, what is going on? And then simultaneously, that the proclamation of, of the gospel and the truth of God's word being delivered by the disciples in other languages that they had never learned before, that miraculously God had enabled them to speak that message. And the thousands of people that had gathered there that day from all these different places, and they were hearing the message in a way they could understand it. It says that that day that they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? (laughs) And that's when Peter stood up, addressed the crowd, and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He goes on, he says, this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, who the Lord our God will call. And that day, 3,000 were added to the number of the church of the day. And, and you know, I, I've heard people say, well, they were all adults, people at a certain age. Well, look at context. Peter had just said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized. And he says, this promise, see, is for you and your children, he says, and all who are far off. A lot of times people think baptism is something we do for God. And, and this is a, an act of, of uh, being a, a good person for God, almost like it's a, a works kind of thing. To be baptized in order that God says, all right, you've done a good thing. You've been obedient. No, that. There's something else going on in baptism in context of Scripture is the baptism Jesus brings is one of grace and love, a a, a baptism where God is bringing about this incredible new reality in a person's life. Be easy to say, well, how can water ignite a flame? How is that possible? Well, to understand that, we need to back up a little bit. That day when Jesus approaches John the Baptist, and and as he comes there, and John had just said, the one who comes after me is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And and that moment comes, and Jesus says, I'm here to be baptized. And John says, I can't do that, right? I'm not worthy to even tie your sandals, and and I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, come on, John, get on with it. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing slightly. Um, As as John knew, and, and Jesus declared he had come to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is the one who comes and as the perfect one without blemish. He's, he's perfect in every way. And, and his righteousness, does Jesus need to be baptized for his sin? Of course not. Does Jesus need to be baptized in, in order to uh, uh, be loved by God? Of course not. And yet, that day when Jesus is baptized to fulfill all righteousness, his perfection is is poured into this incredible gift of baptism. God is amping up baptism to be an incredible gift for those who would come after. Um, Put it in this context, in that moment as as the sky opens up, the Holy Spirit descends and the Father speaks. It's almost like you just see this, this ray of light descending on Jesus and the Father saying, this is my Son whom I love with him I am well pleased, and you know, listen to him. God is focusing his attention, the light of the gospel and the love, all on this one who has come as the word in flesh. God is going to use the ministry in the life of Jesus 
to fulfill all righteousness, to amp up and put power into the connector of baptism for us by his life, by his death, by his resurrection. Love what we read. Would you open your bulletin or open scripture uh, to Romans? And when we read this, this verse in Romans chapter 6, and really a couple verses here, when he says, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live, say it with me, a new life. Picture this. We've learned that you can actually ignite a fire with water. But imagine what God does in our baptism. We come to the Lord and we are dead in our sin. Our hearts are cold. Survival isn't an option on our own. We are in desperate need. There is no hope for us. And God comes into our world through the person and work of Jesus, this perfect lens of his grace and the Father and the light of his strength and power that focuses through the lens of Jesus in his death and resurrection and zeroes in on our cold, dead hearts. And what does God do? He ignites a living faith. He turns on us a living, powerful fire for him. It's really what faith is. I love what Paul says later to Timothy, you know, fan the flame of faith. That God has ignited us not to be dead anymore, not to be focused on all the stuff that falls, leads us to fall away from God, but rather to turn toward his light in that promise that ignites us through the lens of Jesus, his perfection, his holiness, his righteousness. And God ignites this fire in us and says, that righteousness is now your righteousness. That perfection of Jesus is now laid over you. The Father looks through that lens and sees you through the light of Jesus and who he has come to be. So let me ask you. You might think it's just water, but what happens in that font, in the fonts around the world, in places where in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, baptism occurs. Is it possible to light a fire with water? Oh yeah. By the power of God's word and his presence among us. He'll save your life, and it has. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You have come to ignite a fire in us, a living faith. Lord, so often we are discouraged, so often this cold, broken, hurting world overwhelms us and tries to extinguish that light and that fire. May we find renewal today that you are a living God, a God who has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love. Lord, help us as we are ignited and renewed in our baptismal fire today uh, to share that fire with our world, with passion, with joy, with relationships. Lord, you have blessed us and you've saved us and Lord, you've called us to share it. We pray it and give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen.